In every movie role he's had, from Dances with Wolves to The Last of the Mohicans to Avatar, he brings depth and authenticity to the characters he plays, changing the way audiences see Native Americans. Legendary actor Wes Studi. I'm Maria Hinojosa. This is One on One. Wes Studi, you are an amazing actor, the star of, well, let's just say, Avatar, Dances with Wolves, Last of the Mohicans, Geronimo. What an honor to have you on our program. I have to tell you, I want to go to a movie that came out several years ago, Geronimo, an American legend, because you were, you carried that movie. I'm sure many of our viewers saw that, but the moment that I want to talk about for a second is the moment when you first appear on screen in that movie. And when you are looking at the American soldiers and you have this look, the camera just kind of zeroes in on your face and you have this look of distrust, disdain and interest and you captured that so well. And I just said, it has to be because in your own life, as a Native American growing up in Oklahoma, these emotions are not, they're not far from your own life, right? And they're not foreign either. Yes, it's true. Yeah, uh, that's one of the advantages that we as uh, Native Americans, if you will, American Indians, uh, have a history that uh, if we keep up on it, you know, and we know what has happened over the years, it's something that uh, as an actor, uh, we can use those kinds of feelings that have been generated over the years into uh, the performances that we provide for film when we come to uh, a historical person like uh, Geronimo. And there were see. members of Geronimo's family who were on the oh, set. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so you had to... It's difficult. It's yeah. difficult to, uh, uh, to work, uh, work up a, a persona for uh, a character when... You have uh, people who are, like you say, direct relatives of, and uh, people who, you know, there was a wide range of feelings about Geronimo. I mean, he was not the loved person or the totally hated person, he was, but he was both and in between, you know. So how do you put together a persona for a man who uh, has uh, lived in that kind of a strata? And the answer for me was simply, as real as possible and for uh, dealing with whatever particular uh, uh, scene was going on, whatever uh, emotions and uh, circumstances. Uh, how does a man deal with circumstances when uh, he's surrounded by the enemy? You know, we know you on screen, we know your face, uh, we know your voice, but probably what people don't know is that you grew up in Oklahoma um, and the first five years of your life, you were on the res, and you were monolingual Cherokee. And I, your parents made a decision early on to put you into a boarding school yeah. um, so that you could essentially learn English. And you came back after a year, and you had forgotten all of your Cherokee. Oh, sure, yeah. I walked back into the house after nine months away at school, and... Uh, uh, and discovered all of a sudden that I had forgotten 
the Cherokee language because I tried to use English in, in, in my grandmother's house. And, oh, she put a stop to that immediately. Tell me what happened no, when what, you did. <gasps> is what she said immediately. And she had a scowl on her face. She said, oh, what she had said was, oh, no way we're going to use English in my house, young man. <laughs> and so everybody backed her up, of course, and uh, oh, I was at a loss for a bit because it had, it had sort of been wiped from the back of my mind. Uh, it, so, but within a week or two, you know, of listening and, oh, yeah, oh, okay. And it comes back, you know, you, riding a bicycle. Then you, um, you do something pretty extraordinary. I mean, a lot of time passes there, but you become a young adult. And you do something pretty extraordinary, which is that you volunteer to go fight in the war in Vietnam. Mm. And, um, and that only because you, of course, have been in movies where war, a certain kind of war, is taking place. I wonder about that experience of being uh, an American Indian fighting for the U.S. government in your life. Then you come back and you end up fighting against the U.S. government as an American Indian activist. Sure. Well, you know, it's a, a matter of education. A lot of it, so much of it has to do with education because up until the time that I actually returned from Vietnam, uh, I really had very little uh, idea of our history. And of course, these, these were also times of great unrest within the United States. There was the, the civil rights movement. There was the anti-war movement. There was... Uh, the yippies and the hippies and all of that social unrest that was going on and all of a sudden uh, as a result of that or for whatever reason because uh, uh, the the American Indian movements uh, and uh, uh, began to appear as well and then and there was a great time for uh, lots of uh, education you know I it, I, I was unaware of uh, the the many misdeeds uh, perpetrated on our people by the governments is, and is, different governments. And uh, um, this was a time that uh, activism was really real, you know, and uh, it was a time for uh, joining in. And first you have to have the facts. You have to have the education. Once you pick that up, and then that, on the one hand, generates lots of anger. At that within, point in time. With, oh, yes. Within you. Of course, yes. Around yeah. you, you were at the siege at Wounded Knee. It was something that if you grew up in the 60s and 70s, you, mm -hmm. you knew. What happened was, uh, it, it was actually a tragic little comedy happened, and we wound up taking over uh, the Bureau of Indian Affairs uh, for building. How many for how It wasn't months. It was mainly days. I think it was more like days. 12 to 17 days, something like that. We, that we held a building, and... Maybe not even that long, I don't really remember. But in any case, after that, the movement began to spread back out into the, uh, into the states, uh, back out into uh, the Dakotas, back out into Oklahoma, everywhere. There were incidents of, uh, uh, of uh, co uh, conflict uh, between uh, the American Indian movement and different uh, municipalities, counties, laws, all over the United States, really. But the one that we focus on is Wounded Knee because it got the... Best, the biggest uh, uh, press coverage and all of the Marlon Brandos and well, all of the people. Let's that Let's take a were, second for that because people might, I mean, I know that for me that moment was a, a marker. 
which is when Marlon Brando wins the Academy Award for The Godfather. Mm -hmm. We all thought we were going to see. Well, I know that there was some buzz about whether or not he was going to show up. And then uh, a Native American woman comes on stage and says he is rejecting this award and talks about what's happening. At at that moment, do, do you feel, did you know at that moment that that could be that moment that was in kind of our cultural lexicon as Americans, the Native American presence was there for all to see at the Academy Awards, and yet it was basically saying we are still powerless. Yes, perhaps powerless, but uh, I I think that the real legacy of all that activism is what uh, we can look at in terms of the sovereignty that's been built up throughout the the Indian nations, the tribal nations, whatever you would call it, and to the point that uh, we are now uh, you know, a, we're a public presence in government uh, happenings, in uh, policy and legislation and things like that. So we've finally gotten to the point that we can affect better. We have always been a part of it, but uh, we are capable of uh, affecting uh, our own future through government things, policies and such these days because of the... the uh, the huge changeover in self-perception, I think, that happened back then. The fact that that our story was somehow represented on a, a national venue or international venue like the the, uh, Academy, the Academy Awards, Awards was, uh, was only a, a testament to the fact that something was going on in Wounded Knee at that particular point in time, and it was... At first, not covered by the uh, uh, national press, by the, press, by the USA press, but at first, foreign press came in, and they were covering it, and it was going all around the world, and then the USA press said, oh, you know, the American press decided, well, we better not get left out of this, and so in they came. But so The point that, is, but you know what, you, you were <laughs> a radical you were taking on the U.S. government. You, and I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I just wrote here, I said radical, and then I put a, a little line next to Aitukan, which is, or Etukan, which is the character that you played in Avatar, right. the father of Neytiri. Well, it was only, it's, that kind of action was only radical in that uh, it hadn't been done in a long time. It hadn't been done since uh, maybe the, like, <laughs> the last time, uh, like, that uh, the Sioux met the uh, American army at uh, uh, Custer's last stand. Or, you know, I mean, that was the last time that the press covered anything. But take me from understanding that to then you find, you discover that you have a home in the theater um, many years later, and kind of how you put those two things together, how you understand your history as uh, being a Native American, American Indian activist, who was challenging forcefully at all times for your people, for your voice. Fast forward several decades and you are starring in a huge movie, controversial though it may be, Avatar. Um, How do you put those two things together now in the sense of where you came from and where you've ended up? I've never really stopped doing the same thing. Which is? Which is, uh, rather than taking over buildings and confronting uh, U.S. Marshals uh, out on the plains of uh, South Dakota or uh, that kind of thing, these days what I do is I tell the story of our people and 
<laughs> because you brought up Avatar, I have to tell you that that is a story that's been told so many times before. It's true. It's, it's a wonderful old story, and it, and it always brings us to a spot where we think to ourselves that we really need to improve our relationships between peoples, you know, not, not only on uh, uh, group levels, but uh, even at an in individual levels, you know, how we deal with one another in terms of, of uh, respecting one another to begin with. And uh, that's how I feel about, uh, that. I mean, that's, I think that's what adds to uh, our uh deteriorating kind of uh, circumstances that we have here in the states that uh, in terms of the Native American population? Well, not only us, but I mean, it's happening to all diverse groups. As, mm. as people seem to be more comfortable within their own groups, uh, uh, we seem to be going, coming away from being able to work as a whole you know, to, to be able to work as a whole because of so many uh, divergent uh, interest and people, groups, and people if you feeling will. really, really kind of grounded and rooted in that. I grounded and rooted is good. Grounded and rooted is good. On the other hand, when you use it as a self protection, uh, it's uh, kind of isolating. It's kind of isolating. The group, uh, we have our groups beginning to isolate away from one another and compete more, perhaps because there's less to be had in terms of Well, you know, I'm wondering resources. there isn't, um, you know, in, in Hollywood, let's say, it's not as if you have a kind of demographic reality that you can say telling American Indian stories, telling stories of Native Americans is important because there's a demographic reason. We have a numbers reason to tell this story. Mm -hmm. So is Hollywood, in fact, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Has it changed? Oh, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> and you look said, fabulous. Oh. <laughs> but is it, has it gotten better? Is it still, I know that you talk about respect, but with Hollywood, is there still the kind of banging your head against the wall and just saying, come on now? Really what it comes down to, Maria, is that uh, I think everyone that goes to Hollywood is going to bang their heads against the wall. Uh, some may have a better uh, inroads. Uh, some may uh, have m face more difficulty in beginning their careers. Or, but um, I think it's just as difficult now as when uh, I I went there. Wow. Mainly because that's the nature of the beast itself. I think. I mean, right? There's always going to. I mean, Hollywood is always about that, right? Yeah. Hollywood is always about uh, images and uh, uh, the next new thing. Uh, it's always the next new thing. And, and so that's what makes it difficult for guys like me just to hang in there for a good long while, you know. Like you say, I've been there for a while. And you've uh, been working every year. I've continued to work. Uh, and uh, I... Knock, knock on knock wood. Knock on wood thing. Well, like stars, yes. I mean, because um, even though you've been an amazing star... Um, for example, Last of the Mohicans, a lot of people said you should have been nominated yeah, for Yeah, but an you Oscar. have to remember that was uh, 1992. Yeah, but Wes, let me come back to you and say, but uh, that movie, even on the trailer of where it says, you know, Last of the Mohicans, your name doesn't even appear on that yeah. banner there. And it's just like, right. but, but, 
but Wes kind of carried that movie. Why isn't his name out there? Yeah, that's a good good question. I, <laughs> it just came out in DVD. I, I think you should make that remark or something. You want me to call <laughs> so someone? Saying, yeah, call someone. Call what's his name? Say, yeah. But in, in the yeah. sense of what do you say to young uh, American Indian uh, theater types, kids who would like to become involved in the business? Do you say go forth and try it, but be prepared? Because you're going to hear no a lot and the doors may oh, close? Exactly, that's it. The only thing that I tell them <laughs> is that never say never and, and be ready for, like you say, a lot of rejection. Wow. Uh, and do not, please do not take it personally. I mean, you only hurt yourself when you take it personally is how it turns out as far from what I've seen and what I've lived. It's... Uh, I know that that's easy to say, but when you think about the history of... Some people can take it and some people can't. Because there's and a lot of anger there. Well, yeah, I, I suppose. I, and many times you can uh, say, you know, you can always play the race card saying that, oh, well, they don't like Indians anyway, you know. But on the other hand, you have to keep on hammering away at it to get in as, as much as possible. It's, uh, if, and if you're always there, if you can provide a performance... And, and the performance is seen somewhere, you know, you just have to keep, continue to push it and push it and push it to the point that somebody sees you and says, okay, I want that guy in my movie too, you know. And, and that's, that's what you just it, love, that's how it works. love to yeah. hear those words. You decided that you wanted to executive produce your own work. Uh, yeah. You said, you know what, I have to take control and make my own film. And so you made the film The Only Good Indian. You executive produced, you starred in it. It's a little bit about your personal story in the sense that it's about a boy who ends up in a um, in one of the schools to acculturate yeah. Native Americans. They were basically boarding schools wherein uh, children were uh, uh, sometimes, many times, forcefully uh, extracted from their home uh, home environments and plunked into uh, uh, schools, uh, boarding schools that. Uh, um, Let's just say it was a really bad situation for a lot of, of the early kids. By the time I went to uh, one of these schools, uh, and this was in the 60s where, when things were beginning to, you know, kind of turn around, and uh, uh, I didn't suffer the, uh, uh, the, the many uh, things that happened to kids. It was not a terrible like the, experience for For me, you, it was not a physically or this terrible movie, though, situation. It was not a major blockbuster. It was. Um, no. it, it did well at Sundance Film Festival, but in essence, then they can say, "Well, you see, your story just isn't out there pulling the, those right. millions of audience members." Right. It's not big enough, and uh, there's not enough interest in the the subject matter. And so you just continue to be tread against the wall and say, "We're going to do it." But let me ask yeah. you about this, Wes, because again, your your life story is so fascinating. Um, the fact that Cherokee was your first language. I want to bring that back to you because you have become something of an activist, an educator. You wrote children's books um, in Cherokee, and you have become active in the indigenous language protections here in our country. Why? Why does it matter to you so much, and why should it matter to all of us? It really is a matter of self-identification and, uh, and a way of... Uh, of uh, how you identify yourself in the world to other individuals. Uh, it, it's a, a matter of, uh, of really identity. 
you know, you have an identity that is based in a language other than English, gives you a perhaps different outlook on life. Uh, Maybe just a, it may not be a huge difference, but but there is a difference, and, and it's based in the way languages are structured and what is made important by uh, just whatever the sound of, uh, 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 for say, something like water, you know. Uh, water in the Cherokee language is said, ama. Ama, almost ama. like mother. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that is like, a, it sounds in its own way a sort of a warm, fuzzy thing, mm-hmm. wherein it's, it's something that is valued, it's something that is really uh, close to the heart. Amma, you know. On the other hand, on the other hand, there's another word that you can say in the same language, Cherokee, that means salt. You know, and and the only real difference is that you you you, you extend the first part of it, amma, amma is salt, and then but you say it quicker, it's amma. I was actually going to ask yeah. you um, about the word for conflict or war. Uh-huh. in the Cherokee language? Well, war in the Cherokee language is don't know, don't know, and it, what it connotates is, is uh, uh, conflict is, is something that is um, almost, uh, a, it's an it's, it's a honored necessity. It's something that's always been there, and it's something that uh, Many of our, our men uh, do because that, that you know in order to uh, subsist in 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 the old world, you know I mean war was a profession a uh, uh, it was what you what most of the men were there for and uh, and they also derived their identity from that. So if, know, the, if that's the word being for... Being a warrior is, a, uh, uh, is not a bad thing. What is you the know? word for peace? I think it's just the absence of Don No. So are, are young uh, American Indian kids, are they being taught indigenous languages? Are they interested? Is it a struggle to keep these languages alive? It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, but it is... I see is that the tip of uh, the improvement is beginning to show, and it's become it's coming back. As a matter of fact, I think the most telling uh, uh, part of it all is that uh, we have submersed uh, or cl- classes and submersed uh, 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 wherein you speak nothing but the language for young people, right? Say uh, from first to third grade. Immersion. Total basically. immersion. That's what that's the word. Immersion. Total immersion, um, and. A lot of these kids, what was happening was that they come to school and they began to use Cherokee within their classes. Uh, as time, as the, uh, the more they learn, then they take it home. And unfortunately, they can't use it at home because their parents wow. don't speak it, right? Uh, but are they, they are welcoming? Part... Are they saying yes? Let's... Well, the good thing is, is what's happened is that because the kids are, have this, this, uh, this power, uh, the uh, their parents are beginning to enroll in classes as well to be able oh, to, to be able to communicate because I think we've gotten the idea across that that they really only great place to, good place to start is it has to be in the home I mean 
a language, a second language it, these days can is is it luxury? You know, uh, it's uh, uh, it's hard to sell because it's, it's a luxury. But uh, here's let, let me ask you. That's this. the only place it can happen is when the ho within the home where you ha where it meets your needs. A language has to meet your needs, and it has to grow. That's one of, that's one of the things about uh, our own particular languages, where we have a lot of elders who would say, oh, no, 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 that's, that's not, we shouldn't be able to, we shouldn't be changing the language, and we shouldn't be doing this and that, or, or this is the old way, and that's the only way that's right for us. Mm, that's not the case. Our language has to meet the needs of the 21st century. It's like... Uh, it's like the technologies we were talking about earlier in that uh, do we have a word for a computer? Do we have a word for uh, iPhone? Do we have a word for a mouse and all of that? See, uh, my mother, who's been also involved in, in this uh, endeavor, uh, works with a committee that has been working almost constantly to come up with new words that match today's reality. In the Cherokee language. Yeah. How beautiful. Yeah, so, the, so that's just, the only way you can survive. So finally, um, Wes, you know, what do you say to our public? If, there's, if there are people who are like, you know, I want to learn more, I want to know more, I want to become involved, what do you say to them? What's a, if somebody has a further interest in understanding our own American Indian roots at this moment, what do you say to them? Go watch movies? Go read books? Leave us with that thought of what you want them to do. I think that you open up your, your mind and make a conscious effort to look around your surroundings. And more than likely, wherever you live within the United States, you're going to find someone, some group of Indians there that uh, you can actually, actually meet on a one-to-one uh, -one basis. So and, open uh, your eyes, open your mind, and interact. And uh, engage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wes Studi, for engaging with us. It's really been an honor to have you on the program. I think there wasn't enough time. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, we'll come back for part two. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of your work. The sequel. The sequel. <laughs> Continue the conversation at wgbh.org slash one-on-one. -on -one.